Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. Last week we talked about ongoing repentance and baptism, and I wanted to continue that concept here from a little bit of a different angle, but from we talked about how we we continue in the baptism and that we're in God's image. And we talked about being dead to sin and literally being buried with Christ. So today we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but we're also going to talk about the other side of it. And we touched on it, but we're gonna we're gonna dive into it today where we're gonna look at being raised with Christ and continuing in this life that he because Christ is alive now. He didn't just come out of the grave and go back into it. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look at that. And I'm I'm also gonna point out the the like if you were here last week, if you weren't, you can catch it on the podcast now. But uh we're gonna look at the similarities. Between what I read last week, which is Romans 5 and 6. And did you realize the pastor told you guys to read Romans 7 too? That's two people that told you guys to read that. You should probably read that. <laughs> you should. It's a pop. It, Romans 7 is powerful. It, it's, it invokes a lot of thinking. It also shows the struggle that we all are going through. And the struggle between our flesh and our spirit. And Romans 7 paints it very beautifully. And there are, there are several points in that that you need to really think and reflect on. There's several statements that he makes in that chapter that if you get it, you really get it. Like he talks about, you know, your flesh having control over you, but not having control over your soul. And those are, those are very important things. That, that, you know, once you read it, you're, you're, the Holy Ghost will start showing you. Because we're going to be in this flesh until we're taken out. You know, So as long as we're in this world, we've got something on us that is prone to sin. So controlling that is what we're called to do. And that's what, that's what the Holy Ghost gives us the power to do, is to overcome this flesh. But... It's good to know, to realize what it really is. So we're gonna we're gonna be reading today from First Corinthians chapter fifteen. I'm gonna start in verse twelve, and I think we're gonna finish the chapter. But we're gonna talk about the resurrection and living in a life of resurrection. So. I'm a, I'll start reading. You guys can catch up. First Corinthians 15, verse 12. You guys ready? All right. But I tell you this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection from the dead? So right there, we're going to start digging into this. Since we say Christ rose from the dead... Why is it that some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? How many of you guys have heard in here that there is no resurrection of the dead? Not after. I'm talking about in this life. How many of you guys have been told you're always going to be an alcoholic? You're always going to you're always going to be a smoker. You're always going to be yet yeah, there's no resurrection from the dead. Don't worry about it. That sin and death in your life, you can overcome it. That's where I read this scripture from this perspective. And it's powerful. We're not looking at this as the next life. 
That's going to happen. We all know that's going to happen. I'm not worried about it because it's too far away for me to worry about. God's going to have to take care of that when that time comes. What I'm worried about is resurrection in this life because this is what I'm dealing with now. I'm seeing broken people around me. I'm seeing lives that are hurt and destroyed. And I want to be able to give them hope. I can't give them hope if I don't believe in resurrection. So I've got to believe in a God that rose from the dead. Because if he can have rose from the dead, then he can't fix my problem or yours either. So why do some people say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ did not rise either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. So how can some churches believe that there's no resurrection from the dead? Their faith and their preaching is all useless. What's up, dude? <laughs> it's all pointless if there's no resurrection. If we have churches that are not telling people and showing people how to resurrect their lives, then these churches are pointless and they're useless. Their preaching is useless. I don't care how much you preach grace. I don't care how much you preach love. If there's no resurrection, it's useless. If all you're telling me is that I'm going to die in my sin, how are you helping? We're supposed to be teaching resurrection. I, I should be telling the heroin addict, you can change. I should, and I shouldn't feel like there's any sin that can keep my Christ in the grave. There's nothing. There's no. There's nobody who can say, well, what about this sin? Because, you know, Christ didn't raise because of this one. Homosexuality didn't defeat my God. Like, again, heroin. I know it's such a crazy one. That's why I'm using it. Because that didn't defeat my God. It didn't keep him in the grave. He didn't, he didn't go, oh, I forgot about that one. Like, he conquered all of death. He conquered all of grave. He, he conquered all of sin. There's no sin in our life that he hasn't defeated already. So that's important for us to realize because if we lose sight of that, our preaching becomes useless and our faith becomes useless. Wow. Our faith becomes useless. So it doesn't matter what you believe in. It's not going to happen if you lose sight of that. Your faith that your life's going to be better isn't going to amount to anything if you if you can't have faith in the fact that God can deliver sin out of your life. If you don't believe that, then it's not going to matter how much you believe that God's going to help you win the lottery. Because the faith is useless. Because you don't believe in the one thing that matters more. That he rose from the grave. And we apostles would be lying about God if we had said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that but that can't but that can't be true if there is no resurrection from the dead. And if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty in your sin. So, so right there, he brought to light everything I've been saying. He's like, well, wait a minute. If Christ, if there's no resurrection, then we're all still stuck in our sin. But since there is a resurrection, then there's, then we don't have to be stuck in our sin. And again, nobody in this room raised Christ from the dead. I didn't go down and dig up his grave and give him CPR and bring him back to life. That wasn't on me. So if it's not my responsibility to resurrect Christ, then it's also not my responsibility to resurrect my life. The same power that rose Christ from the grave is the same power that raises our lives. All we have to do is believe that the same power that raised him is the same power that's resting us. And if we can believe that there is a power that raises people, then we can believe that there's a power that can raise our life as well. He didn't leave Christ in the grave. He's not going to leave us in our sin. 
he's going to raise us. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ would have been lost. So if Christ was never raised, everybody who believed in him would have been lost. Everything wouldn't have mattered up before Christ and, and before us all the way up till now. None of it would have mattered. And if our hope in Christ, no, here he goes. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we need more than to be pitied than anyone else in the world. If, if we're not looking, wow. If our hope in Christ is only for this life, so he's talking about resurrecting. He's talking about a new life. He's saying if our hope in Christ is only for our old life. So if we, if we want to believe in Christ, but we want to stay in our old flesh and in our old life, then we are more to be pitied than anybody else in this world. Any Christian who comes into Christ and wants to stay in his old life is pitiful. Like we literally pity that person because that's like, what's the point? What's the point of getting to know God and not letting him resurrect your life? What's the point of getting up and going to church every week and not getting all the stuff that's destroying you out of your life? What's the point? Like, if I, why would I go? I would pity that person who, who does drugs and goes to church and sits on the pew just for no reason at all. He still wants everything else that's in his life. It's like wanting destruction and life at the same time. Christ is life and life more abundant. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. You cannot have life and death at the same time. It, it, it's pitiful because you've got something that's going to make your life so much better. But as long as you're holding on to the things that are making your life worse, it's never going to get any better. It's like dumping sewage and clean water into the same tub and being like, well, we'll just keep dumping them both in there until it equals out. We've got to get stuff out of our life in order to let the stuff in. We've got to be dead to sin so we can be alive in Christ. And it, again, it's by the Holy Ghost power. It's not like I'm expecting us to like go home and just make a decision. But we pray for that. We seek after that. And he's faithful and just to hear our prayers and answer our prayers as we continue in that. What the problem is, is people don't. People don't. And I'm guilty of it. I am. There's been plenty of times that I've prayed to God while I'm holding something behind my back. Like, okay, God, yeah, fix my life. Give me more money. But I'm still doing this. I'm still dead. Still got a little bit of death in me. But you want to keep making everything better. And in the end, God's like, well, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Christ prayed, let this come. I don't want to have to die. Hey, God, can't we just resurrect everybody without the death part? But nevertheless, not my will, but thou will be done. Because it takes the death for the resurrection. God knew that. That's why he did it. That's why he went to the cross. He knew it. Like, I got it. I don't want to do this. But there, it, it requires death for resurrection. It required us dying to some things in our life before God started putting life back into our lives. So let's continue. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of the great harvest of all who have died. So Christ is the first example of coming out of garbage into life. That's why the Bible says, like, Christ was tempted in all ways. And we're, we're, we're like, oh, well, yeah, he's been tempted in all ways, but he doesn't understand what I'm going through. He does because of this fact. He's gone through repentance and baptism. Even though he didn't sin, he repented. He died to, he died to this world and to flesh. He didn't have to repent the way we repent on a daily basis because he didn't sin. But he did go through the repentance process when he allowed his body to actually die. If you, if you really want to be honest, he went through the repentance and the baptism process 
better than any of us ever have yet. Because we're all going to experience this process. It, it, it is given to man once to die and then to face judgment. So we're all going to go through this final process of dying out to our flesh and becoming all spirit and literally the process that God himself went through. But he was the first one to do it. He went through it first. So he understands how it is to die to stuff and he understands how it is to be raised to life. So, so you see, just as death came into the world through one man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another. So again, here in Corinthians, he's, he's talking about the two men, Adam and Christ, like we talked about last week. Just as how death came in through one man, resurrection comes through one man. Just as another, as, just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given a new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all of his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So the last enemy that God destroys is death. For the scriptures say, God put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things under his authority, that does not include God himself, who gave Christ this authority. Then when all things are under his authority, the son will put himself under God's authority so that God, who gave his son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. So, now that gets confusing when he's talking about here, especially when we talk about all the confusingness with Trinity and the one God and all of that. So what is he talking about here when he's saying God and Christ? Is he saying that they're two separate people? We know now. What he's talking about is God, Jesus, or God, same thing, coming to earth. Once he is, once Christ was on earth, he's talking about establishing his relationship between a man and God. It was an example for all of us and how we should live our lives. But then when he talks about he's going to go back and give all authority back to, to his father, he's talking about at some point Christ is going to sit on the throne as one, like we see in the book of Revelations. He is going to become one with his father again, like he was in the beginning of time. But he does all of this to show his giving authority to him, to man on earth. That's the whole point of Christ coming to earth as a man is to show that his kingdom is going to be carried out on earth through mankind. He wrapped himself in flesh to show us, man, how many of us would have not believed that we could contain the power of God in flesh if he hadn't wrapped himself in flesh to show us it could be done? We have a hard time praying for people right now. Like she just, she just had me pray over some oil. And, 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 and I told some of the people here early that I have bottles of anointing oil that I'm going to fill up and I want to hand out in this room because this is a different group. We are not just Sunday church kickers. We're people who are digging deep, believing the word of God and walking in his authority. So the whole concept of anointing oil and anointing someone with oil, it's just oil. She's got it sitting on a table. It's great value. You can, you can buy that anywhere. But it's not the point of the oil. We understand that we're under the authority of Christ and we're doing what his word tells us to do. So I would not assume that oil, just putting oil on anything is going to fix anything. It's not. It's me understanding. Bible told me to do it. Bible talks about it. I'm in God's authority. So I'm doing it the way God wants it done. That's what brings the power. But even with us being human and all of that, it's hard for me to pray for somebody and believe that it makes a difference. God wrapping himself in flesh 
prove to us that an all power could reside in a human being. So when I, when I anoint someone with oil and pray over them, it's no longer just a human being doing it. Because Christ has showed us that all power can reside in us when we're in authority with God. And that's exactly what he's talking about here with the son. The son's going to give back the authority to God when he goes back to heaven after the resurrection of the dead. If the dead will not be raised, then what point is there in people being baptized? He, tied, he just tied it all in. He ties it all in. It's not, it's not resurrection of the dead. It's not just about us going to a new place to live. Resurrection from the dead is a concept based on baptism. And based and baptism is based on washing away of sin. Cleansing us of sin. The pastor said yesterday, the eradication of sin. The annihilation of it. It doesn't exist after baptism. And it's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process. Baptism is a type and shadow of what Christ is going to do. You know, it's so great because we get types and shadow of the coming of Christ in the Old Testament. And then, and then people are like, oh, it's fulfilled. And we feel like everything's over with now. And now we're just waiting to go to heaven. But we're still given types and shadows of things that are to come. Res baptism is a type and shadow of the death and resurrection. It would be very pointless for us all to believe that God and everything is going to be better and all this if I had no promise of what was going to happen after after life. And, all, and, and it's sad because I talk to people who tell me, oh yeah, when you die, nothing happens. Then what's the point? We might as well die now and get it over with. The whole concept of baptism here on earth is to further your faith that when you die, it's not over. That's not the end of it. That's the shadow of what's coming. Baptism going into the water and coming out is a representation of what's going to take place in our lives after death. We go into the grave and we come back out. And then we are held accountable for everything that we did in this life. And we're in believers. There is no condemnation for Christ. We don't go to the judgment. We go to a different judgment. The Barima judgment where we're rewarded for the things that we did for God. I'm not going to stand in front of God and be held accountable for all my sins because God does not remember my sins. He threw them into the sea of forgetfulness. He literally, you know, me, me and Trav were talking this yesterday about this. The, um, the accuser of the brother. Satan used to go up to God like he did with Job. And point his finger back. Point his finger back and say, look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. Look what they're doing. When Christ died, he stopped that. Christ went before the throne and literally stopped. Satan's not allowed to go in there and accuse the brother no more. So now instead, he comes to earth and he accuses us to our face. So the same God who's saying, hey, Daniel, you should really you should really eat that apple. You should really eat that apple. As soon as we take a bite of the apple, he goes, look at you. You just ate that apple. And it's he has to do that now because he can't do it to God. So he does it to us instead. So let's continue. Why should we risk our lives hour by hour? For I swear, dear brothers and sisters, that I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride that Christ Jesus our Lord has done me. And what value is that fighting wild beasts, these people of emphasis? If there will be no resurrection from the dead, and if there is no resurrection from the dead, then let's feast and drink, for tomorrow we die. And that's exactly what the world offers us. We can't, we can't, we can't get rid of sin in our life. So just eat and drink. Tomorrow we die. 
Don't worry about it. That's all the world has to offer us. Christ has to offer us resurrection, new life. We can, we can live again. The world says, just eat and drink and die. Don't worry about it. Don't be fooled by those who say such things. For bad company corrupts good character. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. For to your shame, I say that some of you don't know God at all. How many churches teach that you can just keep sinning? How many pastors haven't read this? That's that's insane. They've literally made full religions that just continue on sinning. They encourage people to sin. They act like it's okay. They act like Christ never raised. They act like he's still in the grave. And we're all stuck in the grave. So eat and drink, and tomorrow we die. When the Bible teaches... There's resurrection. There's resurrection. There's life in Christ. You can, you can stop sinning. Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. Man, I, I gotta let that sit. Because you, you're, you're not gonna hear that very much. There's a lot of places that you're gonna go. You're not gonna hear that. You're going to hear it's okay. We all sin. We sin every day. We're just going to keep sinning. Matter of fact, get comfortable with sinning. Don't worry about it. They want to live with Christ in the grave. They don't want to rule with Christ. Now, I, I, I said it was the power of Christ that, that rose him out of the grave. And yet we're told right here for us to stop sinning. It's a partnership. It's a continuation. We, I, I can't sit there and shoot my veins with heroin all day long and go, God, deliver me from heroin. He's like, I can't do that when you're literally injecting it in your body. <laughs> You've got to stop it at some point. You've got to stop it. I can't stop a bird from flying over my head, but I can stop it from building a nest in my head. I had an idea to fly across my head, and I may even ponder on it. I may look up and go, wow, that's a real pretty bird. But then there's a difference between letting that build a nest on top of my head. Like, I, we've got to get that stuff out of our life. It's one thing for me to be walking in my life and God go, hey, Daniel, you've got to get this out. You've got to stop that. You've got to stop this. And me realizing things as they're coming up. And it's another thing for me to be in the middle of doing this thing that God doesn't want me to do. It's one thing for me to realize something that I didn't realize and go, okay, I'm going to cut that out. And for me to know something, God's been dealing with me on this something, and I'm still going to continue it. There comes a point where God does want our participation. He's willing to clean us. He's willing to get the stuff out of our life. He's willing to break addictions. But he requires us to stand up and take the bat too. He requires us to do part of that covenant. I can't say, hey God, I want you to fix this, but I'm not going to stop. Hey God, help me lose weight while I'm eating my face off. God will help you lose the weight. You got you to gotta partner with him. His, his burden's easy. His yoke is light. But we got to yoke ourselves to him. I can't, I can't just, okay, God, yeah, you got it. So you go ahead and follow the field. I'm going to stand over here. I'm not getting anything out of it. We get it from being in a partnership with him. The more I cry out to him, and the more I'm trying to get things in my life in order, the more he's compelled to help me get it in order. It's almost like your kids. If you haven't, if you don't have kids, then you've had this happen to you when you were a kid. But how many times have people been like, go clean the room? You go start cleaning the room, I'm coming to help. Mom doesn't mind. 
but she's not gonna go clean your room while you just sit there and keep making a mess. And that's exactly how we treat God in our life. He's like, why would I come in there and clean your room when you're still lasting everything? It's like changing the kid's diaper when he's not done going. We're finish, stop what you're doing, and then we'll get everything in order. Stop making more of a mess, and then I'll help you clean up your mess. <laughs> but someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put into the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it a new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh. One kind for humans, other kinds for animals, other kinds of birds, other kinds of fish. There are also bodies in heavens and bodies on earth. The glory of the heavenly body is different from the glory of the earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, the moon and the stars each have another kind of glory. And even the stars differ from each other in their glory. So what kind of bodies will we have in Christ? Am I going to be a preacher? Am I going to be a teacher? Am I, am I, what am I going to do in Christ? Well, I'll tell you one thing. You're not going to have your old body. So if you're a drug dealer, prostitute, whatever, that's not your new body anymore. That seed has to be planted and die to become something new. Once it becomes something new, now we're all different. And there's the glory of the sun, there's the glory of the moon, there's the glory of the stars. Some people are going to be teachers, some people are going to be preachers, some people are going to be prayers, some people are going to have faith, some people are going to be encouragers. There's some people that you call and talk to on the phone and they immediately lift your spirit. That's a blessing for that person. Some people are going to be helpers to help you clean, to help you move. They do little things. I take the trash out at church. It all has its own unique glory. And it all has, we have a body in the church waiting for us. There's a position for every Christian to fill. There's a plan that God has in his head for you. Man, that's powerful. That's why we have to let our old bodies die out. It's our way of showing God that we know he's got something different for us. He didn't just, he didn't not have a place for you in his kingdom. When we walk into a church and we walk into the kingdom of God, there's a name tag at a table where I'm supposed to be sitting. Each one of you. God didn't call you guys in here by accident. You didn't break in. The Bible says that if you climb over the sheepfold, you're, you're a thief and a robber. You didn't come that way. You came through the gate. You've got an escort. He knows where you're supposed to sit. He knows where your place is. He knows where your name tag is. And he's got a body just for you. He's got a body of discipline and a body of ministry that he wants you plugged into. It could be children's ministry. It could be youth ministry. It could be prayer. It could be, but there is a body. He does not want us going into the church with no body. He wants us to have a body. <laughs> there are also wait 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 where am i okay and it is the same way with the resurrection of the dead our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die and they will be raised to new life and again he's talking about repentance and baptism when we plant our bodies in the ground is when we're dying we're repenting we're dying to our old ways. We're dying to our old life. And then we're being planted in the ground and rising up. So again, this is all about repentance and baptism and the ongoing repentance and baptism in our life. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. Our bodies are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. 
For just as our natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. And the scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, which is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like earthly men, and heavenly people are like heavenly men. Just as we now are like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What am I saying, dear brothers and sisters? Is that our physical bodies cannot inherit the kingdom of God. These dying bodies cannot inherit what will last forever. So what we're experiencing in this life cannot carry over into the church. We have to repent and be baptized so that we don't go into church as the dead people that we once were. I don't want to drag into the church all of the dead stuff that I've been doing outside of the church. I've got to let that die so that I can have my new body in the kingdom. Because your sin and your old self will never inherit the kingdom of God. People will never fit into a church in their old flesh. We've got to let that stuff go and let that stuff die. I can't join the church and walk in with two fists of Jack Daniels and be like, all right, guys, we're all drinking here now. I've got my flesh with me in the church. I've got to let those things go. And, and it says here that bad character corrupts good character. Bad company. I know. I was like, one of those words I just said wasn't right. I love recording live. It gets everybody a chance to laugh. Like, when I'm at home, I edit all this out, but we're live. You guys get to hear the double talk. <laughs> but bad company corrupts good character. Even in the church, if we allow people to drag their old dead bodies into the church, it's going to corrupt the church. We've got to encourage now. We don't do it unlovingly. God forbid. Because for centuries, our churches have been getting it wrong. For centuries, they have been, instead of helping people and loving people and getting people through this, it'd be like walking into a funeral and walking up to the casket and being like, look at you, you dead piece of dead trash. Like, that's literally what we do. That's what we do to people at church. It's not their fault they're dead. Let's help them see life. Let's help them get better. But we try to help. We try to help everybody around us. Like if I see somebody who's struggling with something, I'm not going to just rub it in their face that this is what you're going through. I'm going to try and help you out of that. And we've spent too long as churches trying to rub stuff in instead of get stuff out. Offer them life. Don't continue to kill them. They're already this close to death. Why push them in the grave? We're not called to bury them. Oh, that's good. Once somebody's dead and they're in the grave, we're not called to bury them. That's what Christians have been doing. We've been shoveling dirt on top of their situation. Oh, look at you. You're dead. Ah, yeah. Look at that. You just keep sinning. You can't get your stuff right. All we're doing is shoveling dirt on top of them when we're called to resurrect them. We're called to reach into the grave and pull them out of the grave into a new life. Not by focusing on the death, but by focusing on the life. By not, not by showing them the grave. Oh, gosh, that's the Holy Ghost, guys. We don't show them the grave to get them to stop sinning. We show them Jesus. Amen. We show them that there's a resurrection. We show them that there's life. Because that's what makes them start thinking, I want to be there. I don't want to be here. Man, that's good. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be transformed. Mm -hmm. 
This is what he's talking about. He's like, now we've got revelation, guys. Now we've got revelation. We're not all going to die. We don't have to die. We can be transformed. I don't have to wait to actually go through death like Christ did in order to experience repentance. I can be transformed wildly thanks to what Christ did to me. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. And when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Now, I do want to be crystal clear here because I know I'm using this as a type and shadow, but I don't want to go crazy. There is an actual resurrection from the dead. Because <laughs> some people literally have gotten this same revelation about how this is actually talking about life too. It's not just talking about the afterlife. And then they've taken that way too far and made that a doctrine where they're like, well, we don't really raise from the dead. This is all Christ was talking about. Is, is, there's no rapture. He's just talking about us being better. No, there's actually a rapture coming too. There's actually a rapture coming too, and it's going to take place. And just like he's talking about here in the blink of an eye, and we're all going to be gone. We're not going to have to deal with this life anymore. And we should celebrate that. It's going to be a great day. I don't care. I don't care what the governments down here are going to do after we're gone. We're going to be gone. That's why I don't. I don't dig too much into the into the antichrist. I don't care. I don't plan on being them. I plan on being out of here before he gets here. Why? Because it's supposed to be like in the days of Noah. Christ said it will be like the days of Noah. He'll be selling. He'll be partying. He'll be living life like Noah. He didn't mention the trials and tribulations and all this crazy stuff coming. Now all that's going to happen. We hear about that. But when Christ returns... It's going to be just like the days of normal. We're going to all be living life just like normal when he comes back. So the more we see the end coming and the more we see this world getting ready, should really start telling us it's coming soon. Um, Noah. You guys know who Noah's great-grandfather was. Enoch walked with God. Enoch left the earth, right? There, so there's generations before Noah. There's Enoch. I'm going to mess up the names. Tell me the story. All right, so we had Enoch. He named his son Methuselah. Then there was Lamech. And then there was Noah. So with, with all, of, all of those names, one of those names sounds really different. One of them is not just a name. It's a whole sentence in Hebrew. So you have Enoch, which is just a name. It means one phrase. You have Noah, Lamech. Then you have Methuselah. Methuselah meant something. Enoch was a spiritual person. So he named his son something spiritual. Methuselah meant when he dies, judgment will come. That's what Methuselah meant. We go back in our Bible and you can study the timelines in the genealogy. From the time Methuselah died, within 48 hours it started raining. Noah wasn't surprised when the flood came. He knew when it was coming because he knew his grandfather's name and he was watching his grandfather get old and he knew when his grandfather died, judgment was coming. The Bible tells us that we're not going to know the, the day or the hour of Christ's return. But immediately Christ says, but pay attention to the seasons because you can see when times are changing, you can tell. So Christ was saying right there, okay, you're not going to know the time or the day or the hour, but you're going to know I'm coming. You're going to know it's coming. 
And it's the same thing with Noah. It's going to be like in the days of Noah. Noah knew when my grandfather dies, the flood's coming. I better be ready. And we're called to be just like Noah. Noah's an example of getting ready for the end times. God's coming back soon. We're not gonna we're not waiting for the Antichrist. We're not waiting for these seals to be broken up. It's not how he's gonna come back. He's gonna come back before. He's gonna come back before anybody in the world knows he's coming. But we Christians should understand. Why? Because we're building the ark. I've got to have that ark built before that rain starts coming. I've got to have all of it inside. i got to have the animals inside. Then God's going to close the door and we can sail away into paradise. That's fine. But if I know I'm building an ark. Your dad's building an ark. Man, you're building an ark. We're getting ready for the end times. God didn't call us to start reaching the lost because he's coming back tomorrow. We're not going to have time. He's given us a window of time. The Bible says the only reason why Christ hasn't returned yet is because he doesn't want anyone to be lost. So he is literally waiting patiently for believers to come to him. And it's our job to help that process. Show them examples. Help encourage them. Lead them to Christ. Be Christ on earth. That's our job. Build the ark. Because the flood's coming. Christ is going to pull us out of here before the flood comes. <laughs> but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. Oh, I just read that. Then our new bodies will have been transformed and our bodies will never die. The scriptures will be fulfilled that say... Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your state? For the sin that is... For sin is the sin that results in death. Sin is what actually causes us to feel the pain of death. And the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord will ever be useless. That is powerful. Everything that we lead people to is never useless. Every time we speak into people's life, we encourage them. We show them resurrection power. We show them Christ. That's the only thing that's not useless. If we're teaching them religion of God, but we're not showing them repentance, and we're not teaching them baptism, we're not teaching them this ongoing process of dying every day to this world and living every day for Christ. We are teaching them uselessness. They're to be pitied more than anybody if that's what we're teaching. Churches that bring people in and don't teach them to die to their flesh and live a new life, they're not doing anything for them. Those people would be better off at a biker's club or a moose lounge or wherever else you can just have a good time because that's all you're really doing is, is wallowing in death until the end. But as a church, we teach repentance. Now, I believe salvation is a guarantee. I believe that I've got the spirit in me which tells me 100% I'm going to heaven. I'm not living in condemnation. I'm not, I'm, I'm not believing that I can be lost at any minute. I believe that I'm secure in God's hand. But I also believe that we have to walk in repentance and baptism to be in God's hand. Salvation is not a destination. It's a situation that God created and we can be a part of. But we have to understand the process. We have to do it. And Christ gave us that great example. He is our witness. He's our extreme example of dying 
and resurrecting, living a life of repentance, living an ongoing life of baptism. And next week, we're going to get into an ongoing Holy Ghost-filled life. I feel like that's probably one of the most powerful things. Because we can have resurrection and death and, and life and all that's important. I mean, I, I, I hope I explained how important that is. If I didn't, I didn't do a good job. Anyway. But, but the kingdom of God is not about talk. It's about power. So what we do with resurrection and what we do in baptism and in repentance is for ours ourself it helps us grow and we teach other people to help them grow but the power of the holy ghost is not about you growing it's about helping everyone else grow the holy ghost is about the whole kingdom rising up together so we're going to get into that in the next next week next bible study because uh that's one of my favorite things to talk about holy ghost power so let's in in prayer everybody would bow your head close your eyes say a prayer with me dear lord jesus we worship you god we thank you for this time in your word god that we will commit this to our hearts god as we continue to live a life of repentance and baptism the way our savior displayed it for us powerful that our lives can be an example to this world the way christ's life is an example to us that we can practice true repentance before people around us and we can show them how to live a life dead to sin and alive to christ that we'll let his resurrection power be alive in us today we thank you so much for coming down and spending time with us and we adore spending time with you may you bless everyone in this room be with all the requests that was made Sister Charlie's friend who had a heart attack, you know his name better than I. Bless their lives and help us grow in you every day. We worship you and praise you. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.